Hi there. Welcome to Shrink Chat. This is the companion show to our main podcast, Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm joined every week by my friend, Kathy. On this show, we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up. It's a bit looser. So hang out and welcome to Shrink Chat. Hi, everybody. This is Shrink Chat with Shannon and Kathy. <laughs> How are you? Oh, I'm just putting my headphones on. I didn't know we were starting. Yeah, I pushed the button. Oh, yeah, I... yeah. When she pushes the button, if I miss, I, it's like jumping in the car when she's already started driving. <laughs> Okay, we're recording. <laughs> Maybe this will be one of those episodes where you tell me to calm down. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm already going to start with a little relax because I wasn't even in the car. <laughs> I'm moving this train. We're moving the train. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. I think we have some trivia. We like to start with the trivia. We do have trivia. Right on. So let's see. Wait, let me find. I've got so many things written out here. We'll have trivia in the next hour. I, <laughs> I started. Now I'm going to wait. I drove the train. I would wait. If it didn't mean our listener shutting us off, I would wait. <laughs> okay. So the trivia was the question was what serial killer or which serial killer was the influence to the Joker's makeup, the new Joker movie? Who influenced okay. his makeup? And what was the serial killer's alias? What what other name did he have? So the answer to it was John Wayne Gacy. And he was also known as Pogo the Clown. Cool. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're starting this whole new round with trivia. Yes. I and um, we are actually now going to recognize you on whatever platform you respond. Some people respond, Instagram, email, all that stuff. And we will then announce all of the winners at the end of each month. So there should be one per week. So we will announce all four people or, you know, it could be the same person. Um, but we will announce whoever won which questions at the end of the month. Yeah. So at the end of January, um, you are listening to the show on January 17th or after. And at the end of this month, we'll, we'll list all of the people who were the fastest to answer the question um, at the end of the month. But also, just in case you don't know, what happens is in each round, you get participation points. So everyone who participates, you don't have to be first for this one. So everyone who participates is has an entry to win um, a box of stuff. So... We will end this round at the end of March. So I, I think in every three months type of thing. We're, we're going to try that. Yeah. And then what happens is, is you, you know, someone, the person who participates the most will announce that. And then I will send you out a box of swag. Excellent. Right on. I have a new trivia question. Nice. Yeah. <sighs> That's a sigh. I would like you all to go... <laughs> so formal i know if you feel comfortable i would like you all to go to the post the instagram post of rosemary's baby i just posted this very re it should be very close to the top um the question is who was the actual first choice for guy woodhouse who plays rosemary's husband in the 1968 film rosemary's baby that's the first part. 
The second part is how is this movie connected to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Okay, so the first is like the casting choice. So the first is who was the first choice, yeah, for actors to play Guy Woodhouse, who played Rosemary's husband in the 1968 film Rosemary's Baby. And then how was the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood somehow connected to Rosemary's Baby? Okay, perfect. You kind of have to... You're going to have to use your imagination on that a little bit. You'll right. know if you've seen the movie, it'll make sense. Yeah. I mean, it's no fun if the questions are. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I want you guys to, you know. Some of them could be easy, but every now and then it's fun. Make to you do a search. Little, well, and teach you something. Learn something. Yeah. Uh, and there is a, you know how when you enter contests, uh, you can win a certain way, but then it's like, or you can send a postcard to <laughs> XYZ. Mm-hmm. Well, our postcard is you can also answer the question via email or Twitter or Facebook. Uh, we won't take points off for the, you know, not doing it on Instagram. That's just the, the main place where we get answers. But you can also, if you're not on Instagram, feel free to participate in other ways. We have people actually that send in answers uh, every week via email. So, you know, whatever yeah. your pref. Yeah. Right. Sometimes people will send little notes with that and stuff too, so that's cool. Yeah, it's like if you're sending in your, um, I, I think you know what you talked about on the Tarot Talk show this week about starting a scare zone uh, is good, and I like to do that. And so in this episode, what I would say is, if you're sending in an answer, or even if you just want to jot us uh, a note in in the email and tell us a scary story of your own that would be like from your life, we're not talking about um, fictional stories at this moment, and we want to get a little scare zone going so that you're going to tell us scary stories, and then we're going to tell the scary stories on the air, give you a shout out, sort of say mm-hmm. where you're from, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, have a little back and forth with that. So I think this is a good place to announce that as well. Yeah. Like, let's do that. Yep. So get in the game. All right. Uh, <laughs> Shannon is out there with a whip looking for all of you. Yeah. Get in the game, kids. All right. So I had a little news item that I wanted to say, which, uh, you know, we only do this show once a week. So news items are not necessarily breaking news, but mm-hmm. I want to make sure everybody knows about it. Uh, Silence of the Lambs sequel series called Clarice. Mm-hmm. Uh, CBS picked this up. It's a, oh. uh, They haven't shot it yet, but it's a crime drama uh, set after the events of the Silence of the Lamb. Okay. And so uh, it's a project at this point. So and her work basically after working with Hannibal. That's right. So it's it's based on like right afterwards and then she goes she goes on she's the main at least at this point she would be the main um character in the pilot Mm -hmm. uh and so i'm thinking that's gonna be a pretty huge get for some actress in hollywood yeah like oh so they have they haven't cast it or anything they just picked it up to the article that i read okay yeah that's going to be huge and and talk about shoes to fill Uh, yes and i mean this is kind of a situation where it's going to be a pilot, so who knows if it'll it get picked, picked up. up. But they've already, uh, the article I read said they've already created a writer's room around it. In other words, they haven't just got a pilot script and figured it out, but they've created a writer's room, and w- which means they've hired more than one writer and they're looking at the series. So obviously CBS or whoever's working on this has got a, a lot of enthusiasm for the title. Yeah, and the, and I would imagine there's a lot because 
there's so much hype behind those actors and that film yeah. that there's going to be a lot of pressure for this to be really good. Yeah, well, and it does, I mean, I can see why they want to do it, obviously, because it's super, it was super popular, but, and it's also just good character development. Uh, these are great characters, but uh, Clarice is going to be set in 1993, and we have a fascination with the 90s right now, so that works out. It's like a year after the events of The Silence of the Lambs, so mm -hmm. it's supposed to be, the article I was reading says that it's supposed to be a deep dive into the untold personal story of Clarice Starling, sort of as she returns to the field to pursue serial murderers and sexual predators um, while navigating what does it say while navigating the high stakes political world of Washington, DC. So that's kind of the setting, at least at the moment. Um, Hannibal Lecter is not expected to be a part of the series. So yeah, cause it's after we'll see. And her, <laughs> her character. I mean, I think that he would monopolize the show if he yeah, was part of it for sure. And, and who can really, I mean, replacing Jodie Foster is kind of one thing. She's the sort of straight man of the show. That's going to be hard enough. I totally forgot. I'm so jumping ship here for a minute, but you made me think of something when you said that. I thought we were on a train. <laughs> You're making me jump off a train. It sounds like a very old movie. Yeah. I jumped yeah. off the train. Um, the I right forgot now. to bring up one of the episodes that were my, was my complete, like at the top. Oh, for okay. When so in the terror talk show, we talked about our favorite episodes and you forgot one, huh? Our mind hunter episode. Oh yeah. We never even talked about that. What do you want to say? Well, this all sparked it because I just think oh, that right. they did such a great job at developing the characters around these um, mm -hmm. real serial killers. Mm -hmm. And then the, and I know that the, the detectives and stuff were loosely based on real people, but um, it just made me think about how well done Mindhunter is. Yes. And I hope it has that same kind of feel. Yes. And then it made me think about how we didn't mention that oh, episode. Yeah, we and didn't mention that's such a great that. episode. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I did notice that we tended to talk about um, episodes that were in the first season. Yeah. And and maybe that's just because we've had a lot of time to sit with those episodes. Because that so, was our first episode of the second season? Or was uh, Amanda Knox? I think it was, I think Amanda Knox was the first one. I okay. think that Mindhunter was the last. But I kind of associate it with, yeah, it was the last. But I, I kind last of Last of the first season? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because I remember us having good sound on that one. <laughs> we we did have good sound before oh, the end okay. of the first season. Okay. <laughs> we talk a little bit in Tara talk about the sound <laughs> stuff that we struggled right. through. Well, it was I a good episode. Yeah, no, I mean, I liked a lot of. I mean, well, we did mention Joker and stuff, but I mean, I had a lot of fun with our October episodes, yeah. which were like witches and vampires and werewolves and zombies. Like that was yeah. super fun. Um, but I just I hope this show gives me the same feeling as the Mindhunter show, which is like when you're watching it, right. you're re it's that dark like I think I had said when uh, when we were watch when we were filming filming recording the Mindhunter episode, how terrifying that opening scene with the BTK was mm -hmm. and that like disgusting feeling you have. I hope it kind of brings that. I hope so. I mean. I, I won't go into it too much, but the people who are creating it are not necessarily like people that have had a lot of amazing things. Cause if it's like a law and order so, show, I'll be bored out of my mind. Well, it will be a procedural, right? Yeah. Like you can, but that's okay. I yeah. mean, Mindhunter is a procedural of sorts, but there are, it's a limited series. So it's just a really different oh, thing. Oh, that's true. Plus it's not on like CBS. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, if you're on, you know, channel two, it's a little bit different than true. being on Netflix or whatever. So all right, I, I'll calm down. All right. Calm okay. down. 
Relax. Relax over there with your expectations. That works. That works. <laughs> I love that word. <laughs> Just yeah. relax. Yeah. It's never in the history of the world has anyone relaxed. No. no. From that word. That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, so I believe we are on to our mental health topics segment. Yes. Yeah, sure. Do I call it that? What do I call it? The I, mental I, health topics. That's just not. <laughs> Kathy reads the paper. Yeah, although this is not from the paper. All right. So, is it okay if I still call the segment Kathy reads the paper? Sure. Because <laughs> I'm actually reading off a paper. Does that count? <laughs> yes. Okay. Kathy Good. Reads. I'm. I'm so glad that qualifies. Thank you so much. Okay. It helps me. What I wanted to talk a little bit today. Most people in our field, and I know we get listeners who are in our field, so some of this might be common knowledge, but I wanted to go into a little bit more depth around the impact of social media on the brain as far as when we never shut off. Um, so clearly, I, I don't want to make a blanket statement here. Being on social media, being on the internet, there, there can actually be um, really positive things that can happen from that. But the problem is, is in this day and age, because we are so addicted to instant gratification that people are having a harder time going online for five or 10 minutes and tend to go down these roads by hitting all these different tabs that open you up to different rooms that you start with. I'm going to just go on for a few minutes and then literally, and I'll use a case example, four hours later, they're still on it. Right. So, um, we are becoming really accustomed to immediate rewards in the brain. And so a lot of people don't like to think about how social media can be compared to drugs and alcohol in the sense that it's still targeting our reward system, our dopamine system in the brain. So your brain on Instagram, um, it's like your brain on drugs. drugs. Yeah. This is your brain on drugs. Well, it is. Yeah. Drug. Do you know, by the way, fun fact. Sure. That, um, what the hell is her name? She's the, she's a pop star. This isn't going to be so fun. I'll come back to it. But she was the <laughs> actress on those commercials. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Her That's name fun. starts with an A and she was a little skater girl. I mean, <laughs> I can't think of her name right now. I'll find her. Okay. Later. Um, anyway, so sh- your brain on Instagram, people spend an average of 135 minutes on social media each day. Yeah. That's, That's an average. Over I mean. two hours average. Yeah. Average. Okay. doesn't matter if it's all at once or not. Um, so... I have a client of mine. She's, she is, I think, believe she's 50 and I'm stating her age only because a lot of people think this is only happening to kids and teenagers and she's severely ADHD. Um, and she has a lot of grief and stuff going on in her life. So clearly distraction is for her has been a big coping mechanism. And she has talked about how, you know, she said, I need to get out of this habit because I realize I get up and then I'm four and a half hours into my day and I'm addicted to all of the, you know, whether it's Instagram or Snapchat or whatever. And so I did a little experiment with her and, and talked to her about some of the things we're talking about now. And I'm not going to go into a lot of depth, but she came back the next week and she was saying how, although there were certain days that she couldn't do it, which I said, that's part of it. You're not going to do it perfectly. And that's okay. Just see the days you do and what happens better mood, more productive, more focused, got out of bed. It was like a hundred, a 180. Um, so she, it was really rewarding for her to experience that on her own. So the psychologist who is writing this, the article that I read, her name's Melissa Hunt. 
She said that using less social media leads to significant decreases in depression and loneliness and results, uh, the results are more pronounced on those who were depressed starting the study. So clearly if people, and I think what is happening here is more depressed people use social media. So I think a lot of their pool come from people who are already de depressed because they need that that surge. Mm -hmm. So they, they use it more so than other people. And a lot of people with ADHD have co are comorbid, you know, have comorbid depression. So, um, the theory around all this is the comparison is the thief of joy. Meaning if you are on social media all day, you are looking at yourself in comparison to other people's lives. And we all know, well, at least I hope we all know that a lot of what we see online is a bunch of horse shit mm -hmm. and it's smoke and mirrors. And so then we start to think, wow, everyone is doing something other than myself. Um, so that's part of it is the comparison, um, that comparison theory. The other part is the brain chemistry. So the dopamine reward system, we've talked about intermittent um, rewards. So like if you go to, if you go to uh, Vegas and you sit in front of a slot machine and you hit that jackpot once, you're you might sit there for another four days just to get that feeling again, right? And that's an intermittent sense of reward. So what social media does is you can go on it at any time you want and look to see if anyone has liked your post or whatever. Um, so it really discusses how this habit becomes ingrained where you're constantly checking and going on and checking and checking and checking. So we become worse at multitasking. So some of the things that happen, we become worse at multitasking. Um, we develop a social media addiction, which breaks down our reward pathways. So it gets harder and harder to feel joy. It's harder and harder to feel fulfilled. Um, five to 10% of users are psychologically addicted and can't control how much time they spend online. And I, and I would say that, that my client is one of those. Um, and the dopamine center is active when we talk about ourselves. I think this is important. I think this is why we've seen a surge in more like egocentricity, maybe narcissism too, but more of like in real life, we only talk about ourselves 30 to 40% of the time. We're online, it goes up to 80%. Yeah. So there's so much around, you know, people are like, well, we shouldn't say all social media is bad. I'm not saying that. No. I think the time we spend online these days, though, it's really rotting us. Yeah, it's about balance, like yeah. all other things. And there's a lot of interesting research that's being conducted in now about how there are certain things about gaming, about different things online that are that actually very much help. Yes. So there. So it's not. You know, we're not saying that's not all bad. It's bad. It's 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 about um it's about the first first moment of addiction, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how you work how that's how I work with process disorders. So it's the process of gaming or internet or food or any of that. Those are all considered process disorders. And so um the thing is, it, like with food, it's like what's the first bite of addiction, right? And I learned that from an old supervisor of mine. It's like, and I think that's what it, what you're talking about. Is it's like obviously Kathy and I run a social media structure for this show. We also have our own personal social media stuff. Um, so we're obviously on on it a lot <laughs> mm -hmm. for the course of our work. But it's also 
about balance and it's also the addiction to the phone too like mm-hmm. that's a whole thing like that's a process piece and like, that automatic like the um because that you know we all, we all this do we do all this too i've actually gone on and shut off a lot of my notifications more yeah. recently because Good. like it says on here the um just that automatic checking yeah it, you don't even know why you're checking half the time it's you're just picking yep. it up i just need to look at it why you're, i don't know it's ingrained you're trying to get a hit yeah I mean, it's it's really. I'm aware when I'm doing that. Yep. And and I think uh, my uh, qualitative experience in working with people is it's a lot about depression. Yep. Absolutely. Um, there's a dopamine mm-hmm. structure going on there where you can get a hit and not have to really go anywhere or interact with anyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So oh. that's that. Kathy reads the paper. Keep hitting the microphone, guys. Sorry. Yeah, Keep well. slipping and kicking shit. We talked about it before we started recording today, and so now you're thinking about it probably. <laughs> Which is my whole foot just slipped. Like, let's not do that, and then it couldn't have been any worse. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, as you guys know, I'm, I, I made a little promise to myself and to the Shrink Chat listeners that I would bring uh, horror. a little bit of horror Thanks. of what I'm watching with horror. I'm more... I am more contained around that. What I did is I started using um, a site called Letterboxd, mm-hmm. and I'm logging all the films that mm. I watch, and I'm mindful of um, watching some horror. So I'm on there. A lot of uh, people I follow on Twitter and interact with or whatever are on there, and that's where I heard about it. And so I started doing that, and it's great because it keeps like a diary of what I've read, and I rate things so I can really remember, and it helps me with the show. Mm-hmm. So the first uh, thing I'd like to do is talk about a film called Tigers Are Not Afraid. Okay. Uh, I watched this on Shudder. It is Tigers Are Not Afraid. It draws on childhood trauma. So it's a horror fairy tale is what they call it. Uh, set against the backdrop of Mexico's devastating drug wars, Tigers Are Not Afraid follows a group of orphaned children armed with three magical wishes, running from the ghosts that haunt them and the cartel that murdered their parents. So there are subtitles. This is a Mexican movie. What I really like about this, too, is that on Shudder, there is a predominance, and probably in the world of horror in general, there's a lot of publicity around American horror and around Asian horror. Mm. There's a lot. Those mm-hmm. are. So I really like that um, this particular movie is written and directed by Isa Lopez. And I apologize if I'm spilling your, I mean, um, pronouncing your first name wrong. Isa or Isa, uh, female. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And it came out in August. Uh, it had a limited run in theaters. It's, it's lower budget for sure. But. Um, she creates the world building in this is really wonderful. Mm. I, I I often pay attention to the am I drawn into the world? Is the world building um, complete? Is mm-hmm. it rich? I like that in books too, so that I can transport myself. It's like what we were talking about. Um, I think on the previous show about dreaming, about being in a state of subconscious, yeah, yeah, sleeping awake between being awake. Often watching movies can be between being awake and unconscious, (laughs) unconscious, Mm -hmm. asleep. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, this has a great world. Uh, It's sort of Guillermo del Toro reminiscent. It feels a little bit like that um, because it's got that it's but it's got that 
gritty urban thing of City of God. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, but mm. mm-hmm. this movie City of God I really liked, and it had that gritty urban, violent sort of uh, running around like you're shooting a home movie type of vibe. Um, but it also has the magical realism that you might get in a Guillermo movie. Okay. Uh, but it's unique. I mean, it's an art house film. It's considered that. But it is getting a lot of good um, reviews. I realize it came out in August. But like on Rotten Tomatoes, the um, critic is like 97% and the audience is like 85%, which means, you know, there's not, you know. Most movies don't get that. Let's yeah. put it that way. Like Parasite was 99% on, on Rotten Tomatoes from critics. So right. it's one of those ones. It's got a lot of, um, not that I go by Rotten Tomatoes. I just like to look at them and see if they're, if I'm in line <laughs> after I watch the movie. Right. And I apparently am in line with this one. Um, it's gotten a lot of positive. So I would personally recommend that anyone cool. see this film that likes. And what is it called again? It's called Tigers Are Not Afraid. And where can people find it? On Shutter. Okay. I imagine you can purchase it other places, but. I just want to mention that the actor, the singer I was talking about who did the drug commercial, mm-hmm. Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I couldn't think of her. Ah, oh, yes. Avril yeah. Lavigne. She was the, this is, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Any questions? She was one of the first kids who did that. Nice. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'm looking this movie up. I was just talking about. Wow. I just did it again. Here, let's just here, let's just do that. Get it all out of my system. That's okay. I can't take it. God. Everyone's radios just exploded. They're like, we're done with the show. <laughs> Screw them. They keep hitting their mics. It's okay. That was like my ring too. It wasn't even just like my thumb hit it. Like I might as well have just punched it. Yeah. In my yeah. headset, it felt like the world was exploding. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, I'm looking at this. It looks like Tigers Are Not Afraid came out in 2017. That's hmm. super interesting. Maybe it had an American release in 2019. I'm seeing different different dates, which is super Issa annoying. Lopez, if you're listening to us, <laughs> let us know. Hopefully we haven't totally butchered your name. But I liked it. Go watch it. See the movie. Cool. Uh, let's see. Oh, so a couple things that are... Uh, not horror. I watched Marriage Story finally. How was it? I love it was Adam really Driver good. and and Scarlett. It was quite good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from personal experience, was really interesting. Mm. Um, but they were both really good, mm-hmm. and it was. I had waited to watch it because it's like I really don't want to watch a Marriage Story. Heavy. Thanks so much. Uh, but then I just decided to because it's getting so much critical um, success, and you know, with the award season, and everything. I was like, okay, let's watch it. And I watched it, and I was I was pleasantly drawn in. The performances are excellent. Um, yeah, so I enjoy her now more than I did when she was younger. Yeah, and this movie is a very stripped down version. She does some surreal movies, some yeah. some high like where she looks high glamour. Yeah, you know types of movies. This is like very... the was it the island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very much. She looks like a regular Herself. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, the the marriage story that I love from the '90s is the story of us with Bruce Willis and Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh. That that's a really if that's a really realistic portrayal too. Yeah, so I wonder if it's in line with that. That one's one of my favorites. You might like this then. Okay, 
the last movie I want to mention that I watched uh, is called Her Smell. Okay. Have you heard of this one? No. It's, uh, it's really good. <laughs> it's Elizabeth Moss. Mm-hmm. So not really good in the sense like it's the best movie I've ever watched kind of good. Okay. Um, it did get pretty good critical marks. Uh, audiences don't like it as much as critics. Uh, but it's basically Becky is a 90s punk rock superstar who um, was grungy. And it's got that um, mm-hmm. feel to it. It's got also got that documentary shot, low budget type of camera work. Uh, and she's in a female trio. So if you imagine a 90s band with female um, energy, obviously, and a, a blonde front woman, mm-hmm. <laughs> it reminds you of certain people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if it's, you know, that was the inspiration. But anyway, she is chaos. She hmm. is absolute chaos. I'm looking so at it right now. As it's well. everything you think a kind of drugged out, uh, really intensely self-involved, and then attaching herself to spiritualism. She has like a guru that follows her around and does spells. And I believe she identifies this character as a witch. And This is a great cast. I'm looking at it right yeah, now. Yeah, it's got a good cast. Virginia Madsen. At one point in the movie, a younger uh, female band enters the picture and then some drama ensues there. And then it does go. <clears throat> I was I was uh, really afraid about two thirds of the way through that it wasn't going to go anywhere, that it was just going to be this like biopic on chaos. Mm-hmm. But then it does go somewhere. She has an arc and you actually see the Elizabeth Moss you've you've come to get to know in like the last 45 minutes but for the first hour and a half uh it's an elizabeth moss i haven't seen before she is you know chaotic and narcissistic and i can see why she would want to play this part Mm -hmm. because it's really something different for her she she wasn't uh she was in us though also right she plays us i don't i don't remember that she was the wife or am i thinking Oh, no. Of the other family? Was that not her? Oh, maybe. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry, when I think of... No, 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 no. Us, yeah. I don't think of her at all. <laughs> I'm so sorry that that's the case. But anyway, so that... Uh, that's an, It was an interesting movie. It's different. It's a different performance for her. Uh, it's like separating the artist from art, as I think is... I, it might have been the New York Times review that I read where they said that... Um, it's interesting. Okay. So I watched that. All right. I don't know. We mentioned last week a little bit of something like, hey, what if we looked at the Golden Globes winners and sort of saw what was going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that Parasite won for Best Picture Foreign Language. Wow. I, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. It, horror movies don't often win those kinds of awards, and it's like it has to be the foreign film mm-hmm. category where it does win. But I'll take it because it's, it's a great movie. I mean, Joker won stuff. And um, I know these aren't horror films, but they're films we've talked about a lot on the show. And mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time uh, in Hollywood won for Best Screenplay. Mm-hmm. So I think there's been quite a few of, you know, fil- you know, well, it's one of the reasons why I watched Marriage Story, because I wanted to see Laura Dern's performance, because sure. she was the best uh, actress in a supporting role. Oh, winner. wow. Okay. And she's really I like her. I like her. She is really good in it. Yeah. She's a lawyer, a divorce lawyer. So you can imagine there's a 
personality that comes with that. Sorry, divorce lawyers, but mm-hmm. how you how you are portrayed in the media mm-hmm. is a little bit about how Laura Dern is portrayed okay. in this. It does you know? But she's great. It's just uh, it's in line with what you would expect, I yeah. guess. Um, I think. Yeah, those are when I look at the list of the Golden Globe winners, there's lots of great people in there and things I've seen. But as far as like horror or action or movies that we've talked about, um, Chernobyl, um, Stellan Skarsgård won for best performance by an actor. And, um, you know, the one I couldn't get through. (laughs) Yeah, the one took you a while. But I did get through it. And Mm -hmm. he, and I agree, he was... One of the best. He was fantastic. I I would have voted for him too, just looking at the lineup. Not that they all weren't, you know, good performances, but... And, you know, Toni Collette was nominated for Unbelievable. That doesn't... She was so great in that. And so was Merritt Weaver. Yeah. So, and they didn't win, but they... um, Got nominations. That makes sense to Mm -hmm. me. Uh, yeah, so there it is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess the only other thing I would mention this week is that Sundance is coming up. So I'm. How are you excited? I am excited. Uh, they've restructured the department that I work in, so I've been having conversations with my bosses mm-hmm. about, and I think that the restructure is going to be great. I've been reading about the films, mm-hmm. and there's many that I'm excited about. There's always a couple of horror that I'm excited about, and as it gets closer. Um, and during maybe, you know, I'll talk about it a little bit. I don't know. I wonder, is there relevance to that here on the show? <laughs> Should Which, I talk about the movies that I see at Sundance? Should why not? I, you know, cause it's like, nobody knows them because they haven't. Well, I mean, I, I think of... if you see any horror ones that you find particularly good or different, right. You know, we were talking about on Wednesday's show on the Terra Talk show how horror's changing. Yeah. So maybe if you see anything that highlights that, like yeah. how it's shifting, if, you know, like Black Mirror is a really good example of how that would not have made any sense 20 years ago. Well, it's all psych, man. We're gonna, it's all psych and it's all social media. Yeah, and we're going to do an episode on Black Mirror. We're just making our way through the whole series so that we have a lot to talk about. Uh, and there's five five seasons. But... Yeah, like I, last year I saw Sweetheart there, and I love that horror movie still. And I had seen the Under the Shadow, which I always bring up at Sundance. So maybe, um, maybe it'll certainly be relevant on this show. Just like, hey, things to keep an eye out for when they come out, or just talk about my experiences like that. I might post some videos and stuff on social media. I can see where that would be okay. inter- interesting to peeps. But if there's something that you guys want to know about Sundance, ask. I this will be my fifth year. That's all I got. That's all I got. All right. Thank you so much for listening. This is Shrink Chat. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. If you enjoy what we do here, there are two things you could consider. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and have a pleasant tomorrow.